We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Casual Friday. It's Casual Friday on the show, which means we casually talk about whatever, whatever's going on. Maybe today is baseball slate. Maybe we talk about what's going on over the weekend. We got some soccer over the weekend, MMA over the weekend. I got some stuff to show you, right? And uh, I talk to you guys in the YouTube chat. So if you're in there, hit that thumbs up button. Give us some likes while, while you're while you're first first joining in. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see Matt Miyazuki Singh, Jerome Lewis, Doug Montgomery, Sterling Woods, Shane Newman, Real Life Picture, Michael Dompey, Brian C., Mark's Mimic, Andrew Garcia. Good morning. Good morning. Smash those thummy thumbs, Devin and 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 company are, are in the chat. Uh also, uh, yesterday, uh, both both the baseball slates didn't go as as according to plan. Almost got there with the Cardinals yesterday. Almost, right with the late slate, the four game slate on those short slates. 
if you're going to play a couple of entries, just play, just stack against the best pitchers. Just that, that's what you should be doing, right? So I played a bunch of lineups against Woodruff and I played a bunch of lineups, Marlins against Castillo. I played Twins against Tyon and those were the three highest owned pitchers and the Cardinals got there. So it's like one, one, of, the, one of these things is going to happen because if, uh, if the two chalk, if the Castillo-Woodruff combination happens, like large field GPPs, it's just like uh, it's harder to win. It's harder to win in those cases. So, so yeah, obviously my Woodruff Marlins lineups did not do well, but my Castillo uh, Reds lineups, uh, uh, Cardinals lineups did well enough. Uh, I mean, I still lost money, but I mean, I didn't lose that much money, but it could have gotten there. Came close, right? Because I, I had a bunch of Taiwan Walker against the against the Dodgers, uh, because obviously if you're not playing Woodruff, Castillo, Tyon, like as a combination, you're going to have to play John Lester, or Taiwan Walker and hope they get there. And Taiwan Walker did not, did not get there. Could have, I could have taken it down. If he, if he scored like 25, 28 points, he could have, but uh, he obviously didn't. But what are we talking about uh, today? Uh, we're going to talk about marbles. Okay. I came in with a plan to tar- talk about marbles. You'd be like, why, why are we going to talk about marbles? Is there a new DFS? Is there is there a National Marbles League? Is there are there? The, the, I'm assuming marbles is a game like Tiddlywinks or something like that. No, we're not talking about that. I'm showing you an example of how duplication of drastically affects your expected value. Okay, it's one of those things that you you hear. You're going to be getting into NFL season, so we'll have these showdown contests. Even the preseason, we've had showdown MMA very small field golf events you know these invitationals where there's only like 24 to 30 golfers in a field and the and the and the large field contest is still tens of thousands hundred thousand entries and people are like oh well I'm, I'm looking to build the best lineup like well the best the best the most probable lineup may not actually be the most profitable lineup over the long run right they cut it's a 78 way tie for first and you get 2200 bucks and it's like, oh, okay, that's it's it's better. It's the it's it's the best payout you can get, right, on that slate. But it's still it's losing in the long run. Uh, so that's why that's why I made I made a marble, I made a marbles spreadsheet. A little 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 example here, just to show, right. So it's a game of marbles. It's a, it's a it's marbles in a bag, right? Is it very very. You, typically, these are the types of examples that, you know, like for probability in math classes, right? So there's there's red, blue, green, yellow marbles in a bag, right? You can set the number, how many there are in a bag. So like if there's four out of 10, three out of 10, two out of 10, one out of 10, total of 10, here's the probability. There's four red marbles in a bag of 10 marbles. What are the chances of picking out a red marble? Well, 40%, Right. Now, on the, this other side, I made a little contest, a winner-take-all contest using whatever the, the amount of marbles there are in the bag. And you have to select what color is going to be selected, right? So depending on how many players, like it's a, whatever the prize pool is, it's winner-take-all. So like in this example right here, it's like, okay, four players, and they all select a different color. Well, what's the expected value of your choice? Well, if you select red, which obviously is the most probable, and everyone else selects other colors, that means 40% of the time you'll win $4, right? That's $1.60. 
your ROI is 60, uh, 60% because she's the entry fee is a dollar, right? But it's also positive expected value for blue, as long as, as long as everyone selects like this, right? Like, like now if you're five people and two people select yellow, right? Which only has a 10% shot, you being the only person that got red, you have a hundred percent ROI now because 40% of the time you'll win $5. Now let's say two people, you have six players and two select red. Now the highest ROI is actually the blue, right? Because 40% of the time you'll split $6, right? Because it's, it's, it's winner take all. So it'll just split whatever, whatever's in the prize pool. So 40% of the time, Red comes out and you and you split six dollars. So forty percent of the time you'll win three bucks. If you have blue, if you're the only one with blue in this scenario, thirty percent of the time you'll win six dollars. That's a dollar eighty. So in this scenario, it's more beneficial actually to have the blue one, even though the even though red, the red marbles are more likely to come up. The fact that someone else has also selected it decreases it. You that selecting red or green. It's actually the same. Blue is the most profitable. Now we would put it at, oh, I'm going to put three. Well, now blue is even more profitable. And actually red becomes negative, right? Yellow is obviously negative. Two people are selecting for a 10% shot. That's obviously heavily negative ROI. But now the three out of the seven are selecting the 40% shot. The one person that has a 30% shot has a much better ROI. And I, even the one person with the green. Let's say we add another player. They select green. Okay. Now it seems, now we look here and like all of these spots are positive expected value except for the bottom one because of these two idiots that are selecting yellow together, right? 10% of the time they win $4, right? Because they're splitting eight. But the highest expected value choice would be the one person that has the green, even though it's the 20% shot. If you're the only one in this scenario, you win more money over time. Now, why am I showing you something like this? Well, this is like for showdowns and MMA and small golf events. Your goal is to not is not necessarily the most probable. It's the most profitable. So we start adding players, right? Now two have green. Okay, now, okay, red. Now it's profitable. Now that we have nine players, three selecting the 40% shot, you actually, you show a return. It still would be better to be part of the two that select blue. Let's say we bump that up to four, right? Now four, now red and green become kind of the same. More profitable. It's more profitable to now split blue than four-way split red. But that will change. Let's say we add more red balls, right? Now it's six, six marbles. Now when there's 12 marbles in the bag and 50% of them are red, so it's even more likely to be red. Now splitting with four is about the same as splitting two with blue. We move this up to seven and we see that splitting it for now, that now it's more profitable to be part of the four that split it. We move, keep on moving this up to make the probabilities go up. You don't mind now. You don't mind being duplicated, right? Now, at this point, when there's a 57% shot at two dollars and fifty cents, because you're splitting it four ways, it's much more heavily ROI. But now, once you start adding 
more people that are selecting it, it becomes less so, right? Even with seven people, as long as there's, there's eight out of 14, you still show a small ROI splitting it, but it still would have been better to be part of the two people that selected blue, even in this shot. Right, obviously the two yellow people are, are, are stupid at the bottom, but let's say you're only one yellow down there. It's like, okay, now we take away that negative R, like look, look how drastic that is. Like let's say we move it down to six, right? So basically the two up top here are kind of, yeah, yeah, you'd still rather be blue, but here in the red, you're still profitable, but you're making a lot of your money off of the two people that are selecting yellow. You take away one of those really bad players, that is duplicating for the lowest probability shot in this example. Like, look how drastic your RO, the ROI of both these top spots go down, right? And now green is also just as unprofitable as, as yellow. This shows because a lot of people, what will end up happening is that we'll have a we'll have a marble game of something like something like maybe five. Uh, let's put it at th six. There's something like this, right? Now, if, at perfect calibration, as long if they're selecting completely twelve players and they selected at the exact same spots, it has now become a complete equilibrium. Like there's no way to be profitable or unprofitable. If six, there's six red, three blue, two green, one yellow, and there's twelve players and they select six, three, two, one. Like you're just basically trading money, right? There's, there's no different, it doesn't matter. Would you rather be one of the six, one of the three, one of the two, one of the one? It, it wouldn't matter at that point. Once you start adding dead money, now everything else starts becoming profitable, right? Split the lowest percentage. But the same thing happens when you start adding people to the top, right? So look at that. Like if the next person came in and selected yellow, Anyone, if you say, if you were one of the people that selected any of the other ones, you're you're now profitable, not by that much, but eight percent. And it wouldn't matter which one you selected, as long as you could get one schmuck to, to to split with with yellow and be the second person in yellow, everyone else profits. And the same thing occurs if you could get a schmuck to be the seventh split of red. Right now, it's eight point three percent. On now, now you could select yellow. Actually, the worst choice here would be red, even though it's 50% chance to happen, but you have to split it seven ways. We can do the same thing here with blue, right? Now everyone else, right? You become, when it becomes over that probability, everyone else profits from it. We go down to three, go up to three here. Same thing happens. Look, 8.3%. Now, this is a very small scale example. I'm showing a winner take all. I'm showing, you know, just marbles. But this probability goes to, goes to a showdown contest, goes to an MMA contest. Oh, I'm just going to play the main event guy and the best value play and the biggest favorite and fill it out with the guy with the highest floor and the wrestler that does whatever. And everyone's 30% on, 30 to 50% on in your lineup. It's like, yeah, that is the most probable lineup. I, 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 it's not like I don't, agree with that that is the most probable line that's probably the lineup you play in doubles right it's the most uh, yes the highest project the highest median projected highest odds value lineup most probable 
but in GPPs, you know, you're, you're going to be playing a, that this is going to be you, right? You're going to be sitting there. You're going to be a part. A lot of people are going to do that because they're not caring about duplication whatsoever. So you're sitting there with that lineup and so many other people with that lineup that everyone else is profiting from the fact that, that you're playing the highest probability. It's the highest probability. But in the 50% chance that this doesn't happen, everyone else profits. So you, you want in, in a MMA and showdown and those GPPs, you want, you want to see this. You want to see 18 people up here, right? And then, then you get a whole bunch of people that are, that are the eight over there, right? Then you get some people that, you know, they're going to play some weirder lineups. They're down there, right? Maybe some four, something like that. Maybe some two, let's see, five. Maybe get some nine. Let's see, just, let's see. Uh, 19, 19. Uh, I'm trying to trying to kind of simulate kind of something like that. Four. Right. A lot a lot of a lot of times. Let's see. Go up to five. Go up to six. A lot of times this is what this is what line these are what lineups look like in large field GPPs for like a sport like MMA looks something like this maybe even more let's go but yeah something 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 along these lines 22 11 23 8 9 8 I'm trying to make it so that it's a little bit Or profitable yeah maybe something like this i don't know but what ends up happening is that so many people are playing those the, the red marbles right we look at these percentages here 50 percent red 25 percent blue 16 percent green eight percent yellow so you're like oh well i gotta i gotta play red it's like well that's no you can't win long term it's most probably yeah you're most probable but you're gonna be splitting with 23 other people oh but then i'll play blue because that's 25 percent i not now Yes, it's not split with 23, but it's split with 12. Negative, negative ROI, negative EV. Oh, I'll have a green then. It's 16%, but there'll be less people. It's eight people have that one also. You're looking now, it's like, oh, well, can I be the only one that has the 8% chance? Yeah, you're highly profitable. Look at the difference. Being the one only person that has the 8% shot. Because if we could even increase, let's increase the numbers of the marbles even to make it even more of a long shot here here green becomes a little bit positive but still look how profitable the yellow now it's only six percent chance but you're you're, you're you're look how profitable you are with this we keep on going let's let's move this up even more five four right now being part of the eight that have this now now these other parts become a little bit more profitable So this is, you'd rather have green or you'd obviously much rather have yellow. And even if we just add one more person to that, now that dramatically, look how dramatic that decreases your EV. I just, it's a, it's the lowest shot. It's 5% chance. 
But if you're the only one in a 44-player contest where you get 10 bucks, right? You have a 5% chance at 10 bucks. There you go, at, uh, at $44. You had one more person, and there you go. Now, now you being part of the, the eight that are, are just the same. So this highlights, like you want to be you in, in MMA and golf and all those small field, the small uh, slate type of things with the less, less uh, options to choose from. Yes, 5% of the time, if you just keep on playing the, the yellow marble, you play this every day, every slate, you're going to lose 95% of them, right? Let's, let's move this number even up more. Five, let's see, 10. Let's get it down to right. 10, 5, 4, 1. Right? And let's move this up. Let's make everything unprofitable over here. 9, 10. Right? 25, 13. 11, 26, 27, 16. No, no, I can't do that. 16 over there. What, 14? Yeah, something like this. Like, take a look at this. Five per, yes. The only, the only marble in this contest that is profitable is the yellow marble. That's it. It only happens 5% of the time. So 95% of the time you lose, you lose. So if you, you were to play this 20 times in a perfect world, you put in a dollar and lose. You put in a dollar and lose. You do that 19 times, you lose $19. And then the last time you win 53 bucks. On average, obviously, it's not gonna be perfect. You figure to win once in every 20 times. But that's more profitable than all the other times. The EV is negative. Obviously, this doesn't even take into account if there's rake, right? Because you have to beat the rake also. 15% of the prize pool is taken out. But I hope this shows you a little bit more about why duplication matters that much. One extra person, like if no, someone walks in and says, I want the yellow, boom. That, it's still the most profitable. Like, yeah. But it, look how dramatically it cuts down. If you go from... $2.65 EV to $1.35. It cuts it in, in, in nearly in half. If a third person comes in, boom. Now it's actually the worst lineup to play, right? 5%. Now the best lineup is slightly the red because it's the most probable. You're going to win 27-way split of 55 bucks just a little bit often enough just to squeak out an extra, you know, 1%. If enough people play played the weird outside of the box type of lineups. But a lot of times in MMA, PGA, Showdown, there's no, there's so many of these types of lineups. So if you could be the one, the two, what I did there, that's, that's the, the sole reason why, you know, when I make MMA lineups, I'm looking to make unique lineups or make lineups under five people have them right you can't be perfect because other people are trying to do the same thing remember you're playing in a competitive environment that other sharper players are also trying to make unique lineups as well so most likely they're not going to they're not going to have the the 30 percent to 50 percent all guys all in the same line they're not going to have that line. 
then some people are like, they, they're going to get sneaky and go, I'm going to have that lineup and just do a 1v1 with a 10% don't fight. Okay, great. Now, 26 people have that one. That's still kind of way too duplicated. Then you have to go, well, I'll do a 2v2. It's like, okay, maybe you get down to 10 there. Maybe get a lineup that is under 10 dupes. And it's like, okay, that isn't horrible. Depending on the slate, maybe that is slightly positive expected value, maybe. Then once you get down to like making lineups that I'm going to play the fighter against the high-owned fighter and I'm put these two together. I'm going to leave 2,000 on the table and most people aren't going to do that. Then you start getting into lineups that are one, two, three in the uniqueness range and now you have these type, these are the lineups that you have. And you pro- and the more people that play the most, more probable lineup, the more probable lineups, the more profitable you are. You want people to play those lineups. Even though they're the most, 50% of the time, that lineup comes in. There, there you go. Look, this red comes in 50% of the time. You have to accept the fact that you're going to play all day. I'm going to play 100 unique lineups, and then the chalk hits all together, and it's a 112-way tie for first, and you and you lose, and that's it. Everyone else, you know, posting their screenshots of their, you know, I'm sharing first with 111 of my closest friends, and to me, those screenshots show how stupid you are. Right. That doesn't to me, that doesn't show anything. That's a thank. Thank you. I want to promote that activity. I want more people here, more people choosing red. Right. Oh, great. I saw the screenshot where me and 111 of my friends. Oh, great. 111 of my friends. Yeah. If 111 people have 141, but yeah, everyone's profitable now. Thank you. Thank you for playing the chalk. Thank you. I hope you do it again next week. Right. 51. Right. Look, it makes everyone, it makes everyone else, if, if the, the, the red was duplicated this much, make everyone profitable. Make it go down, right. We get down to like the 30 range, 34, right. It, make, it makes everyone profitable. I don't know if this is a good way of, of you know, just showing you in, in I, say, I say this, it's not like this is not a new concept. I've talked about duplication before. I do it all the time. Any showdown show that I've done in NFL in the past, any anything that I've done with any type of small slate type of dynamics, I've, I've talked about that. Just you know, don't be duplicate. Don't be duped. Try to avoid duplication. Be play more as contrarian as possible, knowing that you're going to lose most of the time because it's more profitable to do that. You don't want to take first place in a 72-way tie. You want to take first place in a three-way tie like I did two weeks ago for $116,000, then it's profitable. So if you're not aiming for unique lineups, if you're not aiming to get first place with as uniquely as possible solo, at least with less duplication, that it becomes, it becomes profitable. I mean, we take a look at look, 12 green, 20% shot, but it's still, it's still profitable to, to select green, even though you know that 12 out of the 64 players are selected. Right, and you want more people to be playing the red when you're playing these others. Some people don't get it. You know, I mean, times I, I get into arguments with people. It's like, no, I, I just care about. I just want to make the best lineup. And if I if I split forty ways, I'm happy to win two thousand dollars. Well, I'm not unhappy to win two thousand dollars, but that's why even before the sl- even before the first fight happens. Everything's locked, so I could check duplicates. 
And if I see that I have way too many, uh, my Duke factor is way too high in my lineup set, like I'm already pissed. I'm already, this is not, I'm not going to be profitable. Yeah, some, I mean, no one's perfect. I'll make a hundred lineups and maybe 10 are, oh, right. This is, this lineup is duplicated uh, 56 times. I didn't expect it to be, but, but then I have, you know, 40 lineups that are, I'm the only one with it. And then I have 20 other lineups that are under five. And I'm like, okay, let's, let, let, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Now, now you can start sweating. But you build a hundred lineups and you're like, oh, my most unique, my most unique lineup is duplicated 12 times. It's like, you screwed up. Robert Gall says, it's like on a cruise, I've won that big jar thing when you guess the, the weight, right? They have like the, the weight of the thing or like, or how many marbles or whatever. And people guess round numbers and they guess the same numbers, right? You give yourself no edge when you don't take, right? Like most likely when they go around, but the, here's this big jar of marbles and you could look and it's probably a couple hundred. And then someone will say 500 and then another person will say 450. And they'll go around to like maybe maybe 10, 15 people, 20 people. And a lot of times they're duplicated. Oh, I think 440. And then someone won't remember the other person. Oh, I think 450. And you come in and you go, you go 467. Like you're more likely, like you're, you're more likely to be correct than the round numbers because everyone just gravitates towards them. Let's see through the YouTube chat. Michael Dampier says, very good example. This stuff should one, not be free. <laughs> Two, we should be able to use it for an hour of continuing professional education for finance people. This is not, this is not complicated stuff. This is not advanced. You, this example, this type of marble thing that I just did, you could probably find plenty of YouTube videos about expected value. Very similar to this especially it's like sports betting. Like it's, just, it's the same, it's all the same concept. This isn't, this isn't new. Even the way that I've explained it isn't even new. It already is free. Most of this stuff is already free. This is basic statistics. You go on YouTube, you go on Khan Academy, you do some of these free online courses. And I mean, even like the, if you want to get more advanced, Stanford has, has lectures and whatever. I mean, you could, you could, you can teach yourself college level statistics, just basic freshman, whatever, just what, what's available for free online. And once you know basics, to, once you have a grasp of basic statistics, just basic, basic math, this isn't hard math. Probabilities, I, is there a big formulas in here? Look, look at the formula. Product of like, like the, the, these are barely any formulas, right? I divided one number by another number. Wow, right? You divide the, this number by that number. And you know what's in this? It's the sum of all these numbers, right? I mean, like this, this Excel spreadsheet took me what? Five minutes to set up? It's not that complicated, right? This adds it up. This is the entry fee to multiply, right? Here, look, multiply F7 and F8. Wow, complicated stuff in Excel, right? 
Right, and it's the product of this number and the division of the other two numbers. Okay, well, it's not, this, this ain't complicated. And this is divide this minus the other one. I mean, like these are, these are pretty, pretty simple. I mean, very simple. I could have probably done this in what, eighth grade? I mean, come on. You could do it too. And you could, it doesn't need to not be free. Uh, let's see. Right, Robert Gall has it correct. Drew, Drew Dinkmeyer has one of the best quotes. I mean, it's the same concept. I mean, sharp players know it. It's not about how much you're right. It's about how much you win when you are right. Right, that's exactly the point. It's, it's not it, Being right 90% of the time in DFS is typically unprofitable. There's so many, uh, okay, I don't care how often you're right. I care how much money you make. To me, that's how we, that's how we score these things. I know so some person that trolled me on Twitter. Like after I uh, posted uh, uh, the MMA screenshot, it's like, oh, you come here like every, every, you barely, you barely post, ever post a screenshot. You'd pro you, you'll, you probably lose like all the time. And then every, every six to eight months, you, you post a big screenshot, you know, like that, like I'm a fraud. And I'm like I showed my roto tracker. I said, like, I seem to do fine. That's a misunderstanding of like, I don't mind being wrong 90, 95% of the time, as long as I'm profitable. So playing the Cardinals against Woodruff or playing the Marlins against Castillo for massive leverage is, is the most improbable event, but it's the most profitable. Is it going to happen on this day? It's as I, I the, 4% likelihood. Would you rather play the 4% likelihood thing or the 54% likelihood thing? But without giving a payout of those things, people would say, oh, like, I'll take the 54%. Well, that's the unprofitable one. And the thing about DFS is that it's all obfuscated. The most probable thing comes in, a person wins a little bit of money and they go, oh, okay, I, I won a little. Oh, isn't this great? I'll try to do it again tomorrow and try to win a little and not realizing that they're bleeding, that they're winning, they're winning more often, but they're not making up all the times that they also lose. So like, they, oh, I'll win 55% of the time and lose 45% of the time. So then at the end of the year, their ROI is like negative 6%. They go, how? It feels like I win more than half the time. Then you look at me, or you look at a lot of sharp GPP players and you go, well, I win 10% of the time. You go, wow, you must be horrible. It's like, no, I have a 40% ROI, right? You have a negative, you have negative six ROI, I have a 40% ROI. So how is that possible? So I don't care about the, I'm not looking to win little. I know I'm going to lose most days. So I don't, I don't view a small loss as a loss, as, a, as, a, as it's just normal. Yesterday slate, I think I, I had an ROI of like negative 18%. That's just another day. That's just, just a day in the office. That's I'm happy when it's not negative 90%. Like that happens every once in a while, but typically I'm not losing all of it. I'm not losing 90%. I'm losing uh, 15 to 30% on a given day. Sometimes breaking even, sometimes close, sometimes a little up, right? You know, plus 5%. And I'm just trying to survive like that for the massive, you know, that when the yellow marble comes in, 5% of the time or whatever percent of the time.
But people don't don't have that mentality. That that's how that's how I make money. That's how sharp players make money. More people did that, just like we saw in this marbles example. The more people that oh well, I go and I'm going to play yellow, and then I'm going to play yellow. Uh, nope, nope. Now you, now it's not profitable anymore, right? So I want people to play. That's why I love I love you know oh play the chalk. What are the best plays? Play the best plays. Go please. If you're in my GPP, I want you to play all the best plays. I hope you play all the play, best plays together. That'd be great. Double ups, I wouldn't want you to do that, but if I'm in there with you. But in GPPs, play the best plays, please, please. Okay. Melvin Pitts, hey, Blender, can you translate the thought process of the stack tool for MLB? It's the same thing that I show with like slight, you want to you focus on teams, stacks that have, more probability of winning than their ownership. It's the same thing as the marbles. What's the ownership? Let, let's, let's, let's put these numbers to 100 to make it easy, okay? So let's put 10, 20, 30, 50, something like that. What, we got 110? go 40 30 20 okay let's let's do it like that so so you don't even have to do the math 40 30 20 10 okay so consider the marbles team stacks okay obviously there's more parts of a lineup there's the pitchers there's everything but like if you're looking at the stack tool instead of red it's the yankees instead of blue it's the orange right it's it's whatever baseball team now we see here there's 100 people that are playing and they have to select a marble that's going to come out, right? They put in a dollar and it's winner take all, right? So who cares? So you see here that look at the probabilities of these marbles coming out. Look at how many people have selected the ownership. Well, this is called efficient ownership. Look, the frequency of people that of lineups that are in with that, with that stack, with that team, whatever you want to call it, with that marble, is efficient because we know the probabilities because these are marbles in a bag. It's not hard, it's, it's not obfuscated. You know there's a hundred marbles and only one can come out, right? Slate IQ on Roto-Grinders attempts to do something, simulate this marble picking type of thing with stacks. So it's putting all these lineups together. It's building a million lineups and matching and whatever, and then running 10,000 simulations and whatever, and mixing it all up in the formulas and the past data and all this stuff and running the contest another 10,000 times and going, well, what the winning lineup has this stack, the winning lineup on this next simulation has this stack and the next, so in 10,000 simulations, the Yankees appear 9.6% of the time as the winning team. And then the uh, Dodgers are 8.4%. Like that's, that's, that's all it's doing. It's a, the same thing as these marbles. Just obviously the, the process of picking out the, what marbles is easy. You could just count how many marbles are in there and you're picking one of them. So we're taking in baseball for slate IQ, you, they're taking the projections and all these ranges of outcomes and whatever. And trying to be most accurate with what the probability is. So if they're owned at the prob at the exact probability, that would be considered efficient ownership, right? If it goes off by one, now all the other ones become profitable, right? 
red's going to be selected by 41 people, but it's only as a 40% shot. So it'll be over-owned by a small degree. Now, obviously, in stacks, you're also playing other parts of the lineup. So the stack isn't the only part. If you, if you consider a lineup, the stack, the one-offs, and the two pitchers, you could still play the red. You could, oh, I'm going to pick the red marble. But I know in this second game, like if we had another marble game, my next choice would be yellow, right? Because I wouldn't select red twice because they're both negative EV, right? So your pitcher, right? Oh, well, instead of selecting, right, if so many people are, the ownership is this inefficient, where this stack is negative ROI, well, it's better off if I pick the blue stack, the green stack, or the yellow stack. But because lineups are not just stacks, let's say you had to select, you know, three marbles. Here would be more, maybe you do red, green, red, blue, green. Maybe not red, red, red. Red, red, red would be negative ROI, negative EV. Same thing of, I'm going to select the stack that's over-owned with the pitcher that's over-owned with the one-off that's over-owned. Like you wouldn't do that. It doesn't mean you don't select the red. It doesn't mean that the Yankees, the Yankees have a 12% chance of uh, being in the winning lineup and they're going to be 15% owned. They're over-owned. But they're also the highest winning chances. Can you fit the Yankees with some under-owned team and some under-owned pitcher and you make up because you're playing the you're playing a lot of the yellows. You're right. You're like, oh, well, if I'm going to play a red marble, I got to play, I got to counteract that with also playing a yellow marble, right? Especially if some of these go up, right? Right. You look at this and you go, how do I build the lineup? It's like, well, red is the most probable. But if I pick red and I have to pick three marbles, maybe I, maybe I do red, yellow, yellow. That may be more profitable than someone that's picking three blues. It is. It actually is going to be more profitable. I can make that example in Excel also. I have to pick multiple marbles. And you'll see, like, what combination of three marbles? Obviously, yellow, yellow, yellow is the most profitable, but it doesn't happen as often. But if you want to, if you want to still be profitable, you can still pick red, yellow, yellow, and you, you would be profitable. And it would come in a little bit more often. You'd, you'd be less profitable than yellow, yellow, yellow. But your swings, right? Because a lot of times it won't happen. Red, yellow, yellow will happen more often. So if you do yellow, 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 your swings will look like this. If you do red, yellow, yellow, your swings will look much narrower. You'll have a smaller profit, but you'll still be profitable. But the people picking yellow, yellow, yellow profit the most, but they could go long stretches where they, they don't win anything. That's how you translate it to anything in DFS. This is... It, doesn't matter. I'm showing it as marbles to make it as, as the simplest example as possible. And I was showing with duplication, but you could say the same thing with ownership. Your goal in any, in any wagering environment, any sports betting, DFS, anything, any type of wager, is to get paid more than the probability of it happening. That's it. That's your goal. Not to predict if it will happen this one time. If you had a coin flip and you got paid five to one, you'd be betting that you wouldn't care. If you would, is it heads? Is it tails? I don't care. <coughs> but getting paid five to one on a one-to-one -one shot. If heads, if heads paid five to one and tails paid three to one, which one should you select? 
pants, but tails would still be profitable because it's still one point. You're still getting paid too much, but it's more profitable to pick heads. Does that mean I think hedge comes up on this on this flip of a coin? No, it's a 50-50 shot. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that hedge is more profitable than tails. We keep on playing this game. In DFS, you play a slate today, you play a slate tomorrow, you play a slate the next day, play multiple slates. Why do I care about predicting the outcome if I know the probability? Or get close to knowing the probability? Obviously, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So your goal is to see what the probabilities are and see where the field, your opponents, are making mistakes by playing a stack that's overowned, by playing a player that's overowned. And this, and when other players are overowned, just like we saw in this marbles example, the more pe- the more overowned they are, the more profitable it is for any of the other options. So you're like, oh, there's a, it's a football slate, and there's going to be a, a, a 62% owned running back that based on projections and simulations should only be owned at 48%. Well, that where, where does that inefficient ownership go to? It goes to everyone else in the player pool. And the more owned or the more over-owned a team is, a team is, a player is, or whatever is, that, that EV goes to everything. More so to under, I mean, obviously, some some players, some teams, some whatever, get more of the EV than others, but it does go to everything. So once once you have on a slate, you know several players that are vastly overowned, it's like, well, how do I build a profitable lineup? It's like, well, don't play those players, and then play whoever you want, <laughs> right? If these three players are going to give enough EV that not having them actually makes any lineup without them positive expected value, who am I to say which one you should play? Obviously, there'll be ones that are more profitable than others, but it may get to the point where almost any other lineup is profitable to some extent. There may be a lot that are very marginally profitable, but still profitable. So at that point, play whoever you want. It's not going to matter. Your decision isn't going to matter that much. If, you, if your goal is to be either profitable or unprofitable, obviously your, your better goal would be to be the most profitable. Uh, let's see. Peter Viles, who's a hub bro. We got, we got some famous people in the chat. We have Daniel Hutchins, Nerdy Tenor, Peter Viles, a hub bro. I'm so old. I played marbles at Jackson School. You're not that old, right? I'm 42. I never played marbles in Jackson School. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Michael Dampier, I think one of the marbles versus DFS things is psychology. I think that people think they have some weird feel about a player or a team. Then if every tout has a good feel, there's fear of missing out. Yeah. Like yesterday, you definitely can't play St. Louis. They have no chance. No, well, no, it's it's the psychology of of people have very I mean, I mean, we've seen it the past year and a half with people don't understand small uh small uh parts of, of probability. People can't can't gauge the difference between uh 55% and 60%. Like that doesn't feel any different to someone. Even even 70% and 30% doesn't 
doesn't feel. They either feel like it's close to 50-50 or like 99 to one. And a lot of times 99 to one, they round to 100-0. Like you said in the chat, the Cardinals can't win. This guy can't win the fight. Well, if he can't win the fight, why aren't you? Like I look at my, my MMA sheet, which I filled out a little, if you want to cheat. Because there's an edge in MMA this weekend. There's big edge, big, big edges. You're going to play MMA, play this weekend. Uh, so I filled in with, I, I corrected Madsen's ownership. We had, we had him at 13%. He's not going to be 13%. So I just filled it out a little. So you can't just, you can't steal it. It's directionally accurate. The, the fighters that stand out are going to be the same ones. Uh, but yeah, if there was no chance, like you'll, 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 you'll hear, maybe not on this slate because so many of the matchups are, are even enough. You'll see it here on so many MMA podcasts, shows, people talk about it. Whoever the biggest underdog on the slate, typically the worst fighter. I mean, not maybe not on this slate because we don't really have the hugest of, of favorites. But they'll look at the lowest, the lowest priced fighter and go, that guy has no shot. Right? Even on this fight, like Fabio Sharon, he has no shot. He got, he got what? He got submitted by Alonzo Menafield, who's not even a submission wrestler. He has no shot. At winning. It's like, no, he's a 40%. The betting line is plus 150. He's a 40% shot at winning. Even if you think this is off, it's not off by that dramatic. If you think he has no shot to beat William Knight, then you should be you should be uh, mortgaging, remortgaging your house to get minus 170 on, on William Knight. If he has no chance. No, and then you say that and you go, okay, he has a small chance. Well, what is that chance? Oh, he has a 5% chance. Well, the betting market doesn't think he has a 5% chance. The betting market thinks he has a 40% chance. And that's why a lot of times in MMA, the, under, the heavy underdogs go under-owned. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's most likely going to be in the optimal lineup. So that's why you can take a look here, even with the ownership that I have here, which is going to be updated by tomorrow. And I'm going to aggregate some other stuff. Let me, let me decrease this well, everything is in, in the frame we could go down to the that may, that may be too small okay is this good we got it okay so in mma uh tomorrow we have a slate where the biggest favorite is only minus 190 right like there's no there's no one minus 200 which is six, almost like 66 percent the biggest under, like sometimes we have, we have cards where a favorite is minus 500 and an underdog is plus, you know, plus 600, that type of thing. We don't. Most of the time, anything under 200, minus 200 is typically in like the mid eights. Like on any other, like Chase Sherman would be like 8,800 instead of 9,200. So these salaries, I mean, but they have to give people salaries like this. But if it was any other slate, no one would be over 9,000. And no one would be under 7,400. The just doesn't do that. So what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of ownership on 9K fighters that really shouldn't be 9K. But because if we take a look at the inside the distance odds, like these matchups are, so, are close enough that legitimately six underdogs could be in the optimal line. Like it could, and it wouldn't be surprising. Right, so it's quite possible that 
the six highest scores on the slate are actually six scores, 8,000 or below, which means you could leave like 3,000 on the table and have the optimal line because there's no like, there's no guys that have like massive winning chances. These are a lot of very, at least close enough to even. Yeah, you wouldn't consider Sherman Porter to be even, but 66 33 is not, it's not like, oh my God, you got to play Chase Sherman type of, type of thing. And it's not here, is inside the distance odds, is it like minus 200 or something? Right? These are close enough fights. So we could see based on this ownership that, <coughs> based on the ownership and the projection and everything, that like Sherman, Madsen, Kelleher, like they're all over owned. Canada, the main event is heavily over owned. The main event, I've, the, the, I may have the least amount of the main event I've, I've ever had on, on any slate on this slate tomorrow. Because yeah, they're going to go way over because people are just used to playing main event fighters, five round fighters. And if Cannoneer is going to be 42% and Gastelum is going to be 35%, Gastelum becomes the, literally the worst play on the entire slate, based on my model is the worst round one and the and nearly the worst inside the distance odds on a slate where there may be a lot of finishes so you go oh well gastelum 7500 he could in a decision he could get like 90 points that may still not be optimal <laughs> that may still not be optimal and Kanemir maybe he throws like three punches a minute i mean like he doesn't do he, he's power he may be able to knock him out but gastelum has never been knocked out so if this goes to this decision, I think that, I mean, which is most likely the fight's a dud and it's going to be owned. It's going to be in like 42 plus 35. It's going to be in like what? 77, seven, three quarters of the lineups are going to have a main event fighter. And it's quite possible that like in my set, I may have like less than 15% of this fight in total, like in total. And then I may I may have lineups that leave let leave three thousand on the table. Some may not. Some may. And then you have guys at the bottom, like you have uh, Pilarte, who's going to be. We have him as the lowest owned fighter, twelve percent, facing one of the highest owned fighters, Kelleher. So this is what I mean by the marbles example. Okay. This is the marbles example ownership. Look, he's going to be owned at twelve percent. His shot at getting a first round KO, which will score you at least 90 points, if not 100 plus. And your goal in GPPs, these large field GPPs, is to aim for 100 plus points on average from all six of your fighters. So that's why, like, hey, if you just went by round one, like they win in round one, like that has to be 90 points, right? Because that's what you get for winning in round one. On top of if you knock them down, take them down, significant strikes or whatever but you're going to get 90 points so if you just went by the this is just the sports book odds which is a fairly efficient market Pilarte is a 14 percent shot at winning in the first round so he's gonna be 12 percent owned so he has more of a shot he has a higher probability of winning in the first round than what he'll be owned that's the definition of just like the marbles the definition of the stacks this team is has a 6% shot at being the top stack, but they're only going to be 3% off. Plus EV, right there. He has a 23% shot at winning inside the distance, which is correlated to 90 plus point scores also. 
12% dunk. Then you take a look at his opponent, Keller. Yes, he has a four. He has the highest inside the distance odds. 48% chance winning inside the distance, but it'll be 46% owned. It's slightly over, right? Slightly, but not, not much. He only has a 29% shot at winning in the first round. And especially at 9,000, 90 points may not even be good enough for that price. So even if, if, if winning in the first round, 29% shot, but he's going to be 46% owned. Hence why he's over owned. He's the most likely to win in the first round on the entire card. Yet, is, if he was less owned, you tell me he was 20% owned, I'll have a ton of them. Tell me he's 46% owned, I'll tell you, tell you he's over owned. Doesn't mean I have him in no lineups. No, you can build a Kelleher lineup. You just need to find fighters that make up for that. So if you're going to play Kelleher in a lineup, you're most likely going to play Lingo and Nunez and maybe Charant down here, a, a, a fighter that, that makes up for that lack of expected. Because now, now the total lineup, the six fighters, that lineup as a whole becomes profitable. The most profitable lineup, if we played this out a million times, according to my little model with only the, this ownership in, is something like Knight, Trevin Jones, Brahmaja, you know, whatever his name, Brahmaj, Pilarte, Nunez, Lingo, like some type of combination, maybe some Pantoja in there. It's not the most probable lineup at all. But if this, if this was accurate, if all this was accurate, and we ran this out a million times, that type of lineup will have the most money. Not all the money. Yeah, there'll be other profitable, there'll be tons of other profitable lineups, but that would be the most profitable. But when it when it profits over that million time frame, it wins, it wins, it wins. And the times where it doesn't win, it doesn't cash at all. Right. So there may be lineups that are profitable, but they come in seventh place and they come in, they cash a little bit more often. So over the over a million times. It's still a profitable lineup, but not as profitable as the ones that pink, 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 and then, you know, come in last other times. So if you're playing 100 lineups, maybe you're not playing all 100 lineups that look like that. Because then you, your bankroll is going to go, woo, 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 woo. But that's a matter of risk tolerance. There's no strategy. If you wanted to play 100 really high variance lineups that are very profitable and have no problem losing 100 sl straight slates, that's, you're perfectly fine doing that. That's, that's the most profitable way to go. It just requires the most amount of patience and, and variance and bankroll to do that. To go, you know, to, to, to lose 2,000 a slate for 100 times before you think 100,000. Right, you, you, you need to do that. But that's why a lot of sharper players have a little bit more diversification. So their swings will be a little less. So that, that's why I said, like, I don't, well, I'm going to build 100 lineups for tomorrow in MMA. Like, I know that a lot of my lineups are not going to be unique one. Some of them will be unique eight, 12, you know, somewhere there where it's not completely unique, but those lineups actually have a, have a higher probability. Yet half of my lineups, I may have 30 to 50 out of my 100 that are completely unique. Those are the, they happen once in a blue moon type of lineups. And I have a bunch of those. I can make a hundred of those, but then, you know, I'll have slates where I put in 3000 and, and get back 300, which is fine, but I'd rather have losing slates where, 
Oh, I put in 3,000 and get back 1,800. Every once in a while, I have an eight-way split for first. So instead of winning a hundred, instead of winning a hundred thousand dollars outright, I win twelve thousand or something. It's like, and it's still a profitable life. That's that's more about diversification and risk tolerance than it is about strategy. Build profitable lineups. Don't build unprofitable lineups. I'm not purposely building unprofitable lineups. I'm not purposely building a lineup that's going to be duplicated 80 times. I'm not doing that for diversification. I'm not building any of those lineups if I, if I, if I could prevent it. If I build those lineups, it's purely by accident. Going through the YouTube chat. Melvin Pitts, this is a good show. This is why I show up every day. Don't miss the knowledge when it's dropped. I mean, it's, it's not. I repeat the same thing so often. <laughs> I repeat it all the time. And if you want a structured version of these types of concepts, like that marble example, get the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. Me and James McCool. How to think like a professional DFS player. These are fundamental concepts of expert level DFS play. It's game theory, right? Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Like these, these concepts are in there. I mean, if you, wa if you watch this show every single day, I'd say nearly everything is, is, in, this, is, is in this course. If you want to have 15 hours, of nice structured, like you're going to a seminar, they refer back to time and time and time again. It's easier to learn that way. Go to theoryofdfs.com and, and, and pick it up. If you don't want to go back, you could, you could, you could probably go back to the, the first DFS pregame show that I've ever done and watch them all. An hour each. Hundreds of hours, right? And probably get like almost everything that's in. Right? I think, or everything. <laughs> Bits and pieces. Right, but are you going to spend that time or you'd rather just have 15 hours just boom? Here's all the concepts that I need. And there you go. Once you start thinking in this way, the same way with the marbles problem, the same way with the, like, you know, you know how many people fight back with me when I say like, oh, I'm going to play this guy and that guy. And they go, how do you play that guy? In his last fight, he, he uh, gassed out and, 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 and he only throws 3.5 significant strikes per minute or, oh, he's, he's on a layoff and he's like he's giving me all this type of stuff. It's like, dude, I don't even know what these guys look like. All I have to know is the betting market reasonably efficient, which it is uh, in, as a large sample size. There may be certain lines that may be off. If you know MMA more and be like, that, that doesn't make any sense. But typically then, then you see, see the line moving. As long as you tell me that the, that the betting market is reasonably efficient, then these are the probabilities. And I'm playing large field GPPs. If you're playing the smaller field stuff, if you're playing double ups, you're not aiming, you're not necessarily aiming for 100 plus point scores out of every fighter in your lineup. So then the style of fight, like, well, this guy wrestles and this guy has a, this guy only strikes here and he only does, okay. Okay, then maybe it matters. The difference between a 74 point win and an 86-point win could matter in a double up. My attitude is, is 86 and 74 aren't going to make the optimal lineup anyway. So what do I care? I'm aiming for 100 plus, And the most correlative metric to 100 plus is first round, winning in the first round. And there's probabilities of that based on the betting market. So why can't I just compare that? 
People are going to play Mark Madsen because he's like, oh, wrestling, wrestling base. Take down City. Yeah, but his winning in the first round is only 13%. Winning inside the distance is 22%. Yes, his projection. In a decision, can he score over 100? Yeah, he could. If he's going to be 28% owned, he's going to be over owned. I think he's going to be more than that. And if, yes, if he gets the first round and then I don't have enough of him, then so be it. But if you're telling me he only has a 13% shot at winning in the first round, like, dude, he's going to need like 12, he's going to need 12 takedowns and in, in, in the 10 minutes of control time in order to get 100 plus points, especially at 9,100. But I don't even need to know that. Like, I know that because, you know, I, I'm listening to UFC shows. So I know his style. But I don't even need to. I'm just aiming. I'm just, who, who can win quickly and score a lot of points? It's most correlative to just winning in the first round. If not winning inside, obviously not going to decision. And then leveraging the ownership based on that. And there you go. That's why I get into fight. Oh, you don't know, but you don't know him. Who said you need to know anything? Same thing applies to all the sports. And look, we got nerdy tenor, the Daniel Hutchings in, in, in chat. He doesn't know, he doesn't even know what the players are. Just names and numbers and he builds a robot to make his lineups and then he's profitable. Oh, but you know, this guy throws curveballs to the left side of the play. No, no, it's all, if it's all factored in the projections already, as long as you have a projection set, then there you go, you're done. Now you're just trying to find the most profitable lineups. That's pretty much what I do in MMA. Right? This has nothing to do with, this has nothing to do with how they fight or knowing anything about MMA. Which, which fighters are over-owned and under-owned based on their odds of winning early. That's about it. And it, apparently it works. <laughs> Even PayPal my money, DFS. He's, you see, he's putting, he's, Fabio moved to Sanford MMA so we could see huge improvement. I don't know. He's going to be under-owned apparently. I don't, I don't try to break down the fights. I don't care. Aaron Reynolds says, I bought Blender's audio book and I listen to a chapter a night before I go to sleep. I get out of bed head first. I wake up so contrary. <laughs> Funny. So did we learn something today? Was this a good casual Friday? It was good. We didn't talk anything about baseball. Who cares? You can apply this to baseball. Didn't talk about soccer. Play soccer. We have we have uh, soccer projections and soccer tags. You could see here. So if you need like the the set pieces and everything, you know, uh, Alex and Sean do all of this. And obviously, lineups get updated at an hour before lock with the starting 11s. So if you want to play EPL English Premier League DFS on DraftKings uh, tomorrow, 10 o'clock in the morning, we do have we we do have projections and tags for that. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium and you get it. So click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. We're going to do the same thing for MMA. We got MMA projections and everything. We got MMA podcast. You get that also. The combo premium. You get everything. You get everything. You get access to the premium Discord, right? Which I'm in all the time. You could always mention me in the Discord. Hey, what do you think of this? As long as you're not asking me 1v1 questions, do you play this guy or this guy? I'm going to tell you to look at the projection because what else would I be looking at? So you could do that. 
So uh, for casual Friday, casual, nice casual, casual math lesson. We learned about marbles, right? People are going to people are going to watch this later, looking for the picks and going, "What the hell? Half the show is about marbles." I'm like, well, hopefully you keep on playing the red marble. Go look for the picks, right? Because all those, anytime you hear picks, most likely going to be the red marbles. So the more people that play the red marbles, the more profitable it is for me and you. That's what I try to teach you here, right? That's what I try to do. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Subscribe if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders live later today going over the 14, I think it's 14 game uh, MLB slate. Crunch time for premium members. And then I'll see you back uh, back next week. Because I'll, I'll, that's I'm always here. I'm always here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.